going on? Hello, Zan. Hello. You're already tilting your head. We need to say if it sounds a little bit differently yeah. this week. Um, our recording equipment isn't turning on today. Oh, that's good. This is that working from home vibe that we know everybody yeah. understands. Sometimes shit just doesn't work. Yeah. And IT is too far away. That's so right. we're recording into each of our phones and it's incredibly nerve-wracking. And I'm useless at IT, so I, can't, I offer <laughs> no help or assistance whatsoever. But um, speaking of IT, big things have happened today as we record Bang On. We woke up here in Australia, clicked on our Facebook pages and... Uh, Checked out a couple of the news sites, perhaps. Nothing. All gone. Yeah. ABC, Facebook, gone. And we knew that this was kind of maybe going to happen, but it seemed to have happened all of a sudden because the government has been talking to Facebook and Google, who struck a deal this week with the large commercial providers, 7, 9 and 10, I believe, and also News Corp, you know, Rupert Murdoch's company. Yep. Um, but the conversation has been happening around whether Facebook will do the same. Basically, pay companies that they use their content of, pay the publishers of these news stories that they use within Facebook. And overnight, they've just banned all of those pages. It was shocking to see all of those empty pages. And I'm sure for the creators, they get, oh "Oh my my God, God, where's all my content gone? All those people that have had, I mean, we've all had a million meetings. How do we get audiences on Facebook? And all of those times going, oh, I don't know, you know, don't know, don't know. Um, and then you put all that work in and it's gone. Cannot believe that it's gone. For anybody who's wondering if you are one of these people listening, I'm sure you already know this, but your content hasn't disappeared. It's mm. just being hidden from Australian audiences. It can't be shared at the moment, but it hasn't gone. Just get your mates to send it to you from overseas. <laughs> Facebook, <laughs> Facebook reckon, this is in their statement, they said um, that for months the value exchange between Facebook and publishers runs in favour of the publishers, which is the reverse of what the legislation would require the arbitrator to assume. Last year, Facebook generated approximately 5.1 billion free referrals to Australian publishers worth an estimated $407 million. And that what it gained from news content itself in return was minimal, made up about 4% of what people use in their newsfeed. I read that and I was like, we're not idiots. You assume that that relationship happens in a in a vacuum. Yeah. When Facebook uses the data, uses us as data and that content to make money everywhere else. It's not just this one stream of like, cool, go on and check that and then nothing else that happens mm. on Facebook or activities that we do on Facebook affects their revenue. That's yeah. just insane that they would suggest that. Yeah, exactly. It's it's very confusing and I think we'll learn more and more about it as as the day progresses. But um, got a great thing on Twitter from Brody Lancaster who said something along the lines of, it's going to be a sad day for those those people who always write on those Facebook posts of very, like not Facebook posts, Facebook news posts of very famous people and write the comment, who, with a question mark. <laughs> it's, it's a hard day for those people. It's a very hard day. Serious though, it's not just news sites that have been taken down and I think that a lot of these will hopefully be reversed but I don't know who's in that IT uh, room in Facebook but they've taken down like this blanket approach, literary journals, music pages, Double J doesn't exist right now um, on Facebook, Acme, the Australian Centre for the Moving Image, theatre companies, 1-800-RESPECT has been blocked as well as the WA Department of Fire and Emergency Services. The Bureau of Meteorology. The Bureau of Meteorology. Batuta Advocate. Oh, my God. That's not, I mean, that's <laughs> not news, but that's the thing. Even the parody news sites have gone down. And it's indicative of how slack Facebook have actually been when it's come to shutting down stuff 
that represents misinformation and is spreading misinformation. They haven't shut that down as quickly as they shut this down. It's Absolutely. Just bang, yeah. Overnight, gone. I think a lot of faith will be lost. You know, the, the thing that you can't. I'm not a... sad about that. No, I, I, I don't care if I never have to look at it again. It is a PR disaster for Facebook, I reckon. It's also really dangerous when you think about. Right now in Australia, in the next week, the vaccines are going to start rolling out. The disinformation and misinformation around um, vaccinations, anti-vaxxers, all that kind of stuff. When when all the reputable news sites are gone from Facebook and all that's there to breed is all that disinformation, mm. what does that do for public health? You know, that's another question as well. The fact is that Facebook is the biggest social network in the world. Mm. Billions of people are on it. That's a reason why we as media makers are on it because it's a way to go to the place where our audiences are. This is what you always do, whatever the platform is as a media maker. You can't deny that and you can't deny that news has become a part of Facebook. You can't just unravel that. Um, But their approach has been questionable to say the least. So it'll be interesting to see how that rolls out. It just feels like a massive poker game right now. Mm. They've called the bluff of the Australian government but I don't think that the Australian public is going to stomach it very quickly. Mm. Be interesting to see what happens. Watch this space. Watch this Currently space. Currently empty space. Hey, the other thing that happened online on another Facebook-owned social network, uh, Instagram, did you, did you see Justin Timberlake's apology? Yeah, JT came out with an apology vo- um, following the release of the, the Britney documentary. Which Britney we talked Spears, about a lot last week. Which we talked about Bain. last week. Yeah. And we actually mentioned how JT, Justin Timberlake, got away with many things, i.e. not being that kind to Britney, um, putting stuff out there that really didn't help her situation and also the Janet Jackson situation where he was basically allowed to walk away from that whereas she was banned from all platforms and he profited off that. Um, And he's written an apology and, and it's a really honest apology saying, as a man in a privileged position, I have to be vocal about this because of my ignorance, I didn't recognise it for all that it was while it was happening in my own life but I do not want to ever benefit from others being pulled down again. Um, he's, the industry is flawed, he said. It sets men, especially white men, up for success. It's designed that way. It's an interesting apology. It shows that he is aware of what's going on and that he is, I'm sure, genuinely sorry, but I find it hard to believe that he didn't think that was all a bit askew when it happened. That this is the first time I know. Yeah, yeah. You saw that a lot last year when people did get on the front foot albeit, you know, some of it a little bit later than you would have hoped, but after the Black Lives Matter protests were rising in the States and in Australia as well, you got a lot of media organisations getting on the front foot and saying, you know, we acknowledge that we've taken advantage, we've appropriated, you know, we've used black culture in a way that's not appropriate. And that was great to see. Um, but, yeah, you, with all these things you always wonder, would, did you realise beforehand and would you have said something had you not been prodded? It's 2021, a lot of time has passed. I thought it was a good apology. It's a I good apology. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel hollow. No. Um, and I'm sure he genuinely means it, but it's taken him a long time. And you see, as we talk about with all this sort of stuff, are you going to do the work to follow up? What happens after this? Yeah. That's, you know, watch this space once yeah. again. on. Now, Miff, we need to talk about one of the biggest stories in Australia this week and a a content warning. uh, This is going to be a story where we discuss allegations of sexual assault. Mm. We're talking about 
the Brittany Higgins story, a Liberal Party staffer who was allegedly raped in a federal minister's office by a fellow Liberal Party staffer. And the response to her story, which was broken by the project just a few days ago by Lisa Wilkinson. Um, God, where to begin with this? I think that everybody knows the story. It is a shocking story. I think that there's any story around sexual assault is always shocking, but given the conversations around the Canberra bubble, allegations of sexism and protection of certain people, having something happen within the offices of that building, it took it to another level, didn't it? And having it unquestioned that a man can take a young woman without a pass into the highest office of the land and be obviously quite um, intoxicated and that not be checked out, even at the first step, I think is absolutely shocking. Um, and, and then what's happened to her afterwards, absolutely shocking, the way it's been managed, the way she has had to even come out and, and, and question the Prime Minister's response, which we heard the other day as well, which was the same old line that, that you and I both just... I feel exhausted by when men say, I had to think about my daughters. Mm. It's like, why do you have to think about a woman as someone you're related to before you can actually empathise with her plight? Mm. And I, and the fact that he didn't know that that was a misstep, a huge misstep. Even, in the, even when someone, I think it was a Channel 10 reporter, Tegan, yeah. sorry, Tegan, I've forgotten your surname right now, but she posed the question, exactly why does you have to refer to that? And he just didn't even get why that was a problem. No. Even though these conversations have happened over and over again, it's like, are you actively ignoring that? Or you just not get it. I don't understand anymore yeah. whether it even seeps into his brain that that lack of empathy. Amy Rumakis from oh, The Guardian this wrote... This is an amazing article. A brilliant piece. Thank you. Um, again, there is a content warning on this if you want to take a read of it. We'll put it in the show notes. It was titled, Trauma Like Mine Doesn't Have Agenda, But Too Many Men Need to Imagine a Woman They Love to Feel Empathy. And she speaks about her own experience of sexual assault where the people who drove past her first then turned around because one partner said to the other, what if it was our daughter? Yeah. And she wonders about what would happen if the people that were driving by didn't have a daughter. Yeah. What a terrifying and horrible thought to think that your worth only relates to a personal experience. And we've talked, like, I feel like we've just talked about this so long. And that's when, when I heard that said again, I was just... It's just exhausting. Yeah. It's not getting through. When will that rhetoric change? Like, I what don't does know. it take to change? I just don't understand. Yeah. My, I think this is this, you know, this frustration and exhaustion we're feeling because we just sort of see ourselves spinning round and around. I mean, to the, the credit of media coverage, there seems to be widespread disgust with the way this has been handled. Oh. It's like the question is not why was she there, why was she drunk, why was she wearing what she was? It's why did this person rape her? That's why? the only question. That's the thing. Women, and, and uh, someone said it on the news last night, women don't find themselves in these situations. They don't get themselves in this situation. They are put there by their abuser. It, it's just... It's just shocking. This final couple of lines in the article that that you pointed me to just blew my mind. Um, It's kind of incredible. 
And those women hear their worth reduced to someone else's told their story is valuable because it could belong to someone else and feel that cape wrapped tighter and tighter because not only did someone take your agency, now someone else is determining how they listen to you based on women unrelated to you or your experience. And you have to be grateful because the flip side, what if they had sons, is too devastating to contemplate. It's so full on. So full on. The, the Batuta Advocate did the most amazing article kind of encapsulating the, the issue with how men see the rape of women. They often cut to the core, don't they? It is a satirical website, but this was a post that I just saw a day ago and went, oh, my God. The title was Serial Sex Offender Cleared of All Charges at District Court After Pleading No Daughters. Fucking nailed it. Yeah. This is a really heavy topic. I know that it affects a lot of people who are listening to Bang On right now. Um, And if if these conversations are bringing up anything for you, know that there are some great resources that are there to support you. 1-800-RESPECT, which deals very specifically with this. And also, of course, Lifeline is always there on the other end of the line on 13 11 14. Hey, you know how I'm obsessed with TikTok, even though I'm not on it. You're not on it. <laughs> I don't understand. I'm the kind of person who will write my PhD on TikTok mm. um, in my 60s probably. Without being on without it. Without being on it. Ever. Um, I love, just like, I just find it so fascinating because any kind of musical trend, any kind of social media trend, all the way that that minces together, it affects the things that we experience, the way that music rises and falls. Yep. It's all part of the same mixing pot. And it affects how music sounds. I think that's what we're learning as well. Absolutely. TikTok. Absolutely. That's why this article this week really stuck out to me. Vulture published a great piece this week titled Nothing is Flattening Music Like TikTok. And it's around this song that's number one in the States right now called Driver's License. It's being um, sung by Olivia Rodrigo, who's a Disney Channel star. It's a kind of sappy love song. Um, And there's this soaring bridge, which you just got to listen to it to understand what I'm about to explain to you. So take a listen to this. So when that hits, Olivia in her video, in the original video, she falls into a field, falls backwards. Mm. Um, And last month, back in January, a TikTok user mimicked that and that took off. TikTok, I'm sure that everyone knows, but in case you don't know, it it thrives on people learning dances, doing stuff and also like rapid changes. Rapid changes, miming of things. Yeah. Uh, Not necessarily even just music. It's a lot of movie lines. It's basically memes. Yeah. It's just fun stuff. Yeah. But actually it's getting quite political as well, but we're, we can talk about that in another Yeah, in another <laughs> I'm always happy to talk yeah. about TikTok. So it uses this song as a push-off point for talking about generally the kind of songs that succeed mm. on TikTok and on the flip side the kind of songs that maybe people are starting to write so that they will succeed on these platforms. And it talks about, you know, the songs that are big on TikTok have a buoyant beat, They're deeply descriptive or else instructional lyrics, which work well for, you know, mimicking what's being sung about. That's true. um, Or doing what's being sung about. 
and a swell of emotion like we hear in Olivia's song with that bridge. Um, the choreography videos that are big on TikTok. Well, Drake, oh. Drake's Toosie slide. We all know yeah, how to do that. Yeah, he surely created I mean, it, that. And it's, but it's so dopey. Like it's not even very good. I love it. It's very basic. It's really basic. It's so anyone can do it, which means instant hit yeah. on TikTok. And again, you don't look too bad doing flattening it. Flattening of music as we yeah. talk about. So the kind of, you know, breezy dance pop or really brash hip hop songs, songs that are basic and, and direct to the point. Um, and, of course, a single bracing lyric can put a video that's more comedic over the top. So there's all these sort of ideas about what makes a TikTok video go viral mm. and a song go viral. Um, the songs that best lend themselves to memeing are becoming the songs that rise the highest on the charts. This song has been number one on the Billboard charts for four weeks in a row, yeah. which is pretty much unheard of these days. Now, this isn't new. Can we just acknowledge that, like, this whole meme culture around pushing songs into the charts has been around for years? Do you remember Bag Raiders yeah. released Shooting Stars, which was a huge hit in, like, ten years ago? And then I think it was maybe four years ago or so it became a meme? Maybe it was a bit longer, but it had been out for years and then all of a sudden it became this worldwide hit. It's got so many streams on Spotify now. They made a bunch of cash from it because people turned it into a meme where there'd be all kinds of things happening and that build up and when it hits the sort of people bash together and like things explode and they're in all kinds of stuff. So this is not a new idea. No, it's not. And like think about Old Town Road. That started on TikTok. It didn't have a place anywhere else. It was it was very much a presence there for a long time before it became a hit. And really basic ideas, you know, kind of really obvious caricatures of country music, very basic lyrics. It just cuts straight to the core. Yeah. But the other thing that this article talks about is that sometimes on these um, videos there can be a real whitewashing of some music and yeah. dance, you know, the way that any mass consumption can flatten art so or give massive rise to art that's already flat, really boring songs like some of the songs we're talking about. Love Old Town Road but pretty basic. I love it. Becomes huge. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not always... a as interesting as what the original artist intended and in some cases can be considered appropriation. You think about the way that certain dances happen with certain songs from Mm. people of colour, from different cultural backgrounds, um, what's going on there. So it's just like if you're kind of curious about what TikTok is doing to music, I'm going to put this article in the show notes so I'm sort of paraphrasing it, but Mm. one of the things that I really loved about it was just like the shooting stars and the Old Town Road um, example, it kind of goes even further back because it points out that, you know, TikTok is democratizing videos in the same way that blogs and YouTube really shifted cultural criticism. Yeah. Those usual gatekeepers yeah. um, were gone and have been gone for a long time now. Um, it's much more, for better or worse, democratized in the way that people can review and the sort of songs and artists that can rise to the top. And there's always going to be money in dumbing down art. That's not a new thing. You know, mass consumption is mass consumption for a reason. But the question it sort of asks is, has the internet changed us or has it only accelerated us on the paths we've been on all along? How does this explain Fleetwood Mac? (laughs) (laughs) Being the biggest thing on TikTok then. That's, I mean, you know, simple, nostalgic Things that take us back to something that we already know. A simpler time. A simpler time. Flat, flattening out again. You're yeah. right. It's a good article. I love it. I'll Thank put you. it in the show notes. Oh, man, Miff. 
It's been a long time oh. since we had any denim fashion. And I don't know about you, but on every platform, I was barraged this week by an incredible pair of jeans. Thank you to everybody who contacted everybody. us. You knew exactly where to go. Yeah. Um, bang Boy, actually. <laughs> um, our OG Bang Boy sent us a link on Twitter. He was the first. And then after that, it just went absolutely crazy. Now, these are, these are pretty... Um, these are an extension of the denim fashion oeuvre. Oh, yeah. In that they've taken... And it's a big oeuvre, isn't it? It is, it is. We've, we've gone through a lot over the years in Bang On, and if you want to catch up, listen to previous episodes. We've been a big supporter of denim fashion <laughs> here on Bang On and denim fashion that you would never wear, and this is one of them, high-waist cut-out straight-leg jeans. Sounds fine, cut-out. I just go, oh, at the knees, bit of a hole maybe. <laughs> No, no, no. This is a pair of pants that uh, I think we can call them reverse chaps, can't we? Like the front is just the pockets. It's got pockets, which is a bonus. Yeah. That's nice because ladies need pockets. I don't even know how you can describe this without seeing it. It's such a visual thing. Like it's impossible to explain yeah. what the frig is going on here. And then it's just you, you can see just the undies and then under the undies around the groin line, it's just the top of the jeans. It's like imagine if you had a pair of shorts, but instead of the shorts ending, it's like your skin is the shorts yeah. and then the pant begins where yeah. the shorts would end. Yes. yes. <laughs> and then add pockets on top of that and a waistband. It's nuts. It's nuts. It's completely bonkers and no one could wear this because I don't know how the the leg at the top stays How does it join? Up. I have no idea. Maybe there's like a G-string type um, denim strap that runs a lot. Like I haven't seen a, a reverse view. Can I we... have seen a reverse view. It just looks like jeans. Oh, so, so, it's, so it's, it's literally just, just cut out at the front. It's literally a, a window showcase of your Mons Venus. Mm. That's what it is. Mm. It's a celebration of the muff. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. And you'd well, want, here for it. And you'd want to be wearing your best knickers that day. <laughs> you wouldn't want to go out in your old Grundies. Can I give a massive shout-out as well? Because the only place I've seen this uh, referred to is from Izzy Oderberg, who I believe is an Australian journalist. Yeah. Um, and everyone's just been referring to her. So, Izzy, thank you for posting this originally uh, just a few days ago. Finally, I've been looking for a good pair of whatever the fuck these are. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that gift, Izzy. Legend. Yeah, thank you very, very much. Speaking of trends, you showed me an article about a forecast of what we can look forward to in the future. And I know you love a bit of Nostradamus. I do. Trend <laughs> forecasting is my is my bag. Uh, it's an article in The Guardian, what will the next decade bring? And I'm really into it because I feel like at the moment we're not really thinking about the future. And for a long time we've been very scared about the future because, you know, all the things that could happen and particularly at the moment while we're in a pandemic, we don't really want to think too far in the future. But So it's nice to put yourself outside of that bubble and go, what? will the future look like yeah and uh there's it's just a list basically and it starts with my favorite which is universal work from home policies i know how good has it been to be able to work from home and not have to do that grind every day going into the office which regardless of how good your job is it can really grind you down yeah and i think uh it may the, the suggestion here as these experts and trends forecasters have said it will never go back to the way it used to be can you believe that? I love that. It also changes that. massively people's ability to be able to live wherever they want. It's a huge financial shift yeah. um, to be able to feed into different communities, be in different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. Like there's just so many good things about being able to work from home. And this also 
feeds into the other trend, the end, and this makes me so happy, the end of the open plan office. Mm, Uh, I know how much you hate it. I hated it. I hated (laughs) it from the start. No no privacy. You need privacy. You need time to think. You need time to settle when you're doing, particularly if you're doing something that's kind of creative or requires good focus. So that's gone. Love that. Here for that. Um, uh, We'll have, I I won't go through them all because you can check it out in the the show notes. In the show notes. Yeah. um, There'll be such a thing as... Um, uh, oh, let me see. Mushroom mania. <laughs> and it's, Pray tell, what's that? And it's in, it's in both <laughs> ways that you're thinking. Rising vegetarianism um, is going to be the next big thing. Um, but uh, also psychedelia, mass psychedelia. Shrooms are the new weed, commercially really? speaking. So we're all going to be getting high on mushrooms apparently expand your brain yeah um as a way of dealing with our own personal wellness like microdosing that kind of thing so apparently it's really going to become a thing and if you still don't know what umami is none of us actually do know it's a taste it's a flavor it's magic apparently ultra spicy is the new umami so don't be throwing around umami when you're when you're chefing in the kitchen you just want to play with some crazy spices ghost peppers extra strong chili sauces oh god ghost peppers i know nah we don't need that but there's heaps of things in here and actually some really interesting things um no melody music inspired by tiktok there it is there it is stripped down rap with no melody is going to be what you'll be listening to in the next 10 years does doesn't it but also the death of music genres which we've been discussing for a long time here on bang on that you can no longer um suggest that music deserves to be in one genre because of who made it or how it sounds. Which I welcome. I welcome that too, but that means all our award ceremonies have gone. I welcome that as well. I welcome that too, actually. Where are we going to get our fashion from, just, though? Never get rid of the logies. Just have, let's just, exactly. Let's just have ceremonies where people turn up and they don't award anybody anything because art should not be awarded. No, it shouldn't. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes, which you now know how to find. It is a great little um, forecast. And it's true, like we're just not looking forward. Uh, I mean, I speak broadly, but I think we're all just so stuck in the uncertainty of now mm. and feeling like we can't make any plans. It's kind of nice to think about how life is long. Um, there's going to be plenty more to come. This is just one part of a very long story. And uh, there's plenty to to get excited about, to get worried about. Um, to be curious about, I think most importantly, be curious about the future. So we'll put that in the show notes as well. Okay. What are you banging on about this week? Oh, yes. I'm banging on about a telly show, which I've just knocked over the first five episodes. I think there are 10. It's another French series. I'm obsessed with French TV at the moment. I think because we can't travel and I just get to vicariously travel through Paris. Absolutely. Whenever I watch these, um, you might've seen it. It's probably come up on your Netflix. What to watch next? Lupin. I have seen this. Yes, yeah, amazing, amazing. Is that is it like a werewolf series or something? No, 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 no. Oh, no, okay. No, 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 no. I'm got... just going off my Lupin Harry Potter knowledge. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> this is uh, a story. It's like a. It's kind of a thriller, I guess you could call it. Um, and Asan Diop is the main guy, and he's inspired by the adventures of a master thief, Arsene Lupin, who um, is a character from the early 1900s, a master of disguise, um, a gentleman thief. And he, his job, what he wants to do is revenge the framing of his father, a very decent man, an immigrant from Senegal who came to the country and um, was accused of stealing this very famous and valuable necklace. It's, it's just a fun kind of romp, but it's also, it's also just, you know, it's got that French thing. There's, there's great characters and, 
you know when you sort of see now people trying to, to, to put women back in the story in television shows, especially like Australian TV, oh, we'll get a, we'll get a middle-aged lady and put her in and, you know, they should, we'll make her a main... You can see that they're doing it for reasons because they've never had to before. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in French shows, you know, like you get these really great female characters and there's a middle-aged lady who comes back in as a journalist and she is awesome and I just loved it and the main character is fabulous. It's, it's a great little romp. If, awesome. If that's what you need. Do that. Or maybe I saw that pop up recently in Golden Globe nominations. I know, or maybe just people have been talking about maybe. it. But that sounds totally. It's what you need right now. Yeah, it's what you need right now. I've been watching lots of spy films and oh, stuff like that. This. Like, yeah, that's you'll exactly why. I just, I love a romp. Yeah, I love a kind of. Um, a heist like kind of vibe, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Secrets, There's heaps of chases, that. heaps of that. You're gonna. This is this is just for you. You know that I watched all of the Bourne films when oh. I was, you know, down at the beach house. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been in the DVD drawers yet? They're very good. Are they? Yeah. <laughs> I have to check. Get into your DVD drawers. Um, I don't even know how to use a DVD player anymore. <laughs> Forgotten, haven't you? Um, what are you banging on about? I am banging on about a podcast um, by someone that we both know, Linda Mariano. Aww. Up until recently, Triple J host, uh, has done a lot of other things in her life and has now produced this excellent podcast called Tough Love. It's up to about episode three now, and it's pretty much like an audio journal of some of the tough lessons that she's been through, particularly in recent times, because um, some people might know that Linda wound up at Triple J at the end of 2019 with plans to move to LA permanently to be with her partner and to also explore other work opportunities there. Um, And then she came home to Australia and got stuck here because of that old pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this is really a podcast which each week is exploring you know, the things that the, – the upsets that have been thrown her way but are more broadly things that we all feel, particularly as women, um, everything from our family relationships, taking care of our bodies as they age, um, things like freezing eggs, which I know is something that a lot of people think about as that biological clock is ticking, and also our relationship to work. The most recent episode particularly resonated with me about identity – and how um, it's something that I've struggled with, and I imagine you probably have as well, of that you get so, your work is your passion, you love it, but then you just, and you work really hard at it because in any industry, but speaking from personal experience, in an industry where there's a finite amount of positions, you really have to bust a gut to get where you want to go. Mm. There is a large issue of where you think whether it's real or not there's scarcity there's only a certain amount of positions um and you also often let relationships whether they're family or friend or personal relationships fall by the wayside because you're trying to get to where you want to go and in the midst of all of that so something that she talks about in the podcast and something that I've felt a lot and I still feel is that you you become your 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 job your job yeah you know you lose your sense of self and without your work you're sort of like oh hang on a minute what am I without that? What other interest? When someone's like, "What are you into?" I'm like, "Oh, music." And yeah, I know, I know. Film I know and oh god, that. like because all the things in a that way, I do for my job. Yeah, our job is our is our love as well. So it it is our work. So it's hard when you say, well, and it's our value. We feel it's yeah. our value when it not necessarily is. Yes, 
Yes. So it's, it, I mean, it's a great podcast. Like it really just I found myself put together too. It's beautifully edited. Shout out to Amelia Chapelo, who's also um, you know a full disclosure, a friend of ours, and used to be a producer with Triple J and Mike Williams too. And Mike Williams is a like gun podcast producer. It just you just feel like you're inside this world. Like, you know, when you listen to something, you're like, oh, my God, you're inside my head. Mm. It's just, it's great. It's really good. I've listened um, to it too. So, yeah, she's going to keep exploring different things that affect her but really do affect so many people, particularly women, you know, in their, their 30s and, and 40s, um, and highly recommend it. It's called Linda Mariana's Tough Love. Loving it. Go team. Love you. And working on separating myself from my job, like, anyway. Sorry, he told me he loved me and I was still in it. like, <laughs> I love you too. I was going to give you those biscuits. Thank you for being a friend. The Golden Girls biscuits, I'm not giving them to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I hope we're still friends next week. I'll see you then. Yeah, see you then. <laughs> on.